This is Real Estate News with Kathy Fedke. The holidays are celebrated in many ways, but one theme that seems to cross over all belief systems is that this time of year is a time of giving. Giving to those you love and also giving to those less fortunate than you. And while this altruistic behavior stems from religion, it's also an important ingredient for success. I'm Kathy Fetke, and this is Real Estate News for Investors. When Rich and I were married back in 1997, we met with a financial advisor who told us about the bucket strategy. The idea of buckets is instead of just stocking money away for retirement, you set up different accounts for different uses. The first bucket is for daily necessities. This requires having a budget for regular expenses and setting aside income in a special bank account to cover those basic needs for day-to-day living like food, housing, utilities, and health insurance. The second bucket would be for emergencies like car repairs, roof leaks, or those pesky speeding tickets. We were told to put 10% of our income aside for emergencies. The third bucket is for retirement. 10% of income should be set aside for the future. The fourth bucket is for fun and leisure, like vacations or that new barbecue or trampoline you want for the yard. And finally, the fifth bucket is for charitable donations. We decided to put 10% of our income towards giving. Financial planners suggest including charities in the budget in part because there's tax benefits for doing so. The government wants us to give. But why 10%? Perhaps it dates back to the 7th century, when Deuteronomy may have been written. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 14, be sure to set aside a tenth of all your field's produce each year. At Deuteronomy 14:28, it says, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your town so that foreigners, the fatherless, and widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So the idea that we'll be blessed when we give is an old one. Though the Bible is very clear that we should not give just to get, it doesn't work that way. We have to give simply because we want to give, and then we'll be blessed. Modern-day gurus say the same thing. Tony Robbins went from a meager upbringing to an estimated net worth of $440 million. He wrote a book about how he did it called Money, Master the Game. And as a side note, my book, Retire Rich with Rentals, came out the same day and was second on the bestseller list next to Tony Robbins, so that was a good day for me. In Tony Robbins' podcast, he said, I gave when I didn't have anything, and it became natural for me. He added that people say, when I'm rich, I'll give, but they're lying. If you won't give a dime out of a dollar, there's no way you're going to give $100 million out of your billion. But if you can do it today, the biggest thing that giving does is it teaches your brain there's more than enough, unquote. And that right there is the key to creating an abundance mindset. I wrote about this in my book as well. The moment I realized I did not have an abundance mindset was when Rich and I bought our first house in 1997, right after we got married. But we didn't have any money left over to furnish it. The week of Christmas, a truck pulled up and a bunch of workers jumped out with ladders. Rich and I went out to see what was going on, only to find that our friend was lighting up our new house for Christmas as a gift. He even brought in a Christmas tree. We were so thrilled and so were the kids because we really couldn't afford it that year. But as our Santa friend left, he noticed a fax machine in the corner that I was going to sell on Craigslist. He said, hey, are you selling that? I actually need a fax machine. This tells you how long ago this happened. And I actually looked at him and said, sure, it's 50 bucks. He looked down and said, never mind, and left. That's when I looked at Rich and said, wow, he's Santa and I am Scrooge. So I ran out and gave him the fax machine and apologized. And it felt so good, 
even though we actually needed the money. But something opened up in me at that time. Three years later, when I started my own TV show on success, I discovered generosity was a fundamental trait within each person I interviewed. It's as if the wealth valve is either turned on or it's turned off, and giving is a way to turn it on. As investors, we're constantly striving to reach our goals for wealth. Wealth is defined differently for different people, but generally means having more time and money to do things you want to do with the people you want to do them with. Every Real Wealth member I've interviewed has told me one of their goals is to be able to give more to family, to friends, or charities they love. After all, we are a part of a vast network of people and interactions that support our success. By sharing our wealth, we're giving back to the network that helped us become successful. Businesses that give also receive a lot in return. A great example of that is Tom's Shoes. Their practice of donating a pair of shoes to a kid in need for every pair of shoes that is bought made them famous and helped them sell more shoes and donate more shoes. Traditional capitalism focused primarily on stockholder gains, but John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods, ushered in the concept of conscious capitalism, and he wrote a book on it. The idea is that there needs to be a higher purpose for the business beyond pure profit, and that there are more stakeholders than just the investors. There are the employees, customers, suppliers, and society as a whole. Giving back to society has worked well for Whole Foods. Trader Joe's is also a conscious capitalist company that's been wildly successful. Rich and I have continued giving 10% of our profits at Real Wealth, and today we donate to four charities we love. One is Operation Smile that provides surgery and dental work to needy children all over the world. To date, Operation Smile has helped more than 300,000 kids from 32 countries. Our daughter Krista volunteered to help Operation Smile in Thailand during her junior year in high school. She told us that families walked for days to try to get an appointment for surgery for their child, and unfortunately, many of them were turned away. There just weren't enough doctors available. Her job was to comfort the children, which she was able to do even when they couldn't speak the same language, because hugs are universal. Unfortunately, the pandemic has put thousands of cleft surgeries on hold. As of June 30th, more than 10,000 have been postponed. That number's grown since then. But the pandemic hasn't completely stopped the work of Operation Smile. The charity says it's been monitoring patients to make sure they're getting the nutrition they need during the lockdown. It says that keeping patients and their families fed and nourished helps ensure that once surgical programs resume, they'll be healthy enough to receive the surgery. Another one of our favorite charities is Mentors International. This organization helps people living in extreme poverty by teaching them how to become entrepreneurs and start their own business. It was founded in 1990 by a who's who's list of successful business leaders and claims that it's helped 4.9 million people in some of the world's most poverty-stricken areas. It sets itself apart from similar organizations because it doesn't just help people with seed money. It also provides mentoring, or what it calls a hands-up instead of a handout. It begins with one-on-one mentoring sessions so a mentor can evaluate a mentee's circumstances, abilities, needs, and goals. The mentee is then introduced to a training program and, if needed, some funding. Mentors continue to provide guidance until they feel the mentee has reached a certain level of self-reliance. So that is really cool. Another charity we support is the Youth Opportunity Center outside of Indianapolis. This center offers help to children and teens who are having a lot of trouble at home or in school or in their community. The trouble they may be experiencing could be abuse, serious abuse, neglect, emotional disability, substance abuse, and recovery from sex trafficking. The center has been in operation for more than two decades and has helped hundreds of young people on a beautiful 75-acre campus. 
The kids live on campus, but families are encouraged to visit and participate in various activities and counseling. And our fourth charity is Habitat for Humanity, which builds homes for those in need with the help of volunteers. It's a worldwide organization that operates in 70 countries and has helped more than 35 million people since 1976. In the U.S. alone, it has more than 1,400 property teams. You may have seen Habitat Restores, where people can donate used building materials, furniture, appliances, and other home accessories for resale to the public. Proceeds are used to help fund home building projects. Habitat homeowners also get an affordable mortgage and financial counseling. And finally, Real Wealth also started working with a company called Profit Purpose Consulting to increase the amount of donations going to those four charities. The company just negotiated a deal for Real Wealth with phone service provider 8x8. In exchange for our business, 8x8 agreed to donate a percentage of its profits to the same charities. 8x8 is a VOIP, voice over IP phone system for virtual companies like ours. Profit Purpose Consulting will be doing the same with our other vendors. So if you're interested in learning more about these organizations, you'll find links to their websites at newsforinvestors.com. And finally, if you know anyone who's struggling this year and can't afford to feed their family or have a Christmas, please let us know so we can help. Just reach out to Tanya at realwealth.com. That's T-O-N-Y-A. I'm Kathy Fetke, and thanks so much for joining me here on Real Estate News for Investors. Again, you can read the blog at newsforinvestors.com.